Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, September the 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here, as always, to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we put the finishing touches on Patriots prep week, including our five keys to the game. We'll tell you about the Dolphins' star potential and how they may have revolutionized the league's approach to the offseason. Plus, we'll get to more of your Twitter questions and we'll lock it up. But first, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You guys know where to find me, LockedOnDolphins.com, the Locked On Dolphins podcast, obviously featured columnists on the Palm Beach Post, Fan Rag Sports, and a bunch of others. You guys can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. And I mentioned LockedOnDolphins.com, the hottest blog on the internet right now as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins. I cranked out five columns this week. My team is cranking out that many on their own behalf, and we are just crushing it with the content. Tons of page views, tons of visitors. We really appreciate all that. So if you guys haven't checked it out yet, LockedOnDolphins.com, and of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Magic podcast or Locked On Heat podcast, as the NBA season approaches right around the corner. We do have some injuries and news on those injuries to get to. Let's go ahead and do that right now with Jim Mandich, the Mad Dog. And I have the Patriots list pulled up here, and I read off all the important names for you guys yesterday. It's the exact same, all limited participants, Trey Flowers, Josh Gordon, Rob Gronkowski, Jacob Hollister, Danny Shelton, Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung. All these guys are limited participants in practice, but one of the guys that was limited on Wednesday, his Thursday report comes back as did not participate. That's Eric Rowe, cornerback, and I talked about this in the preview column. He has played some slot cornerback this year, second most to Jonathan Jones for the Patriots and Jonathan Jones in the slot has been roasted this year. I said this in the preview piece up on LockdownDolphins.com. I think it was a 131 passer rating allowed playing out of the slot for Jonathan Jones. So great news for the Dolphins there. As you guys are well aware, the Dolphins have plenty of players that can capitalize on the lack of slot coverage the Patriots have. And as for the Dolphins, the injury news was better. And it all starts with Rashad Jones, who was a full participant in practice on Thursday. I have to think that means he plays the game on Sunday, which is a huge boon to this team. I still think if Rashad Jones plays and Trey Flowers and Patrick Chung do not play for the Patriots, I will actually switch my prediction in the game to go in the Dolphins' favor. And as far as other injuries go, Andre Branch, A.J. Derby did not practice. Frank Gore had his Veterans Day off, but it sounds like everybody else that we know about in terms of guys that aren't out for the season, are all good to go in this one outside of Branch and Derby. We have a whole podcast to get to here. Let's go ahead and kick things off. That's another Miami Dolphins. And this might be one of those premature I told you so's, and I tried to hold back on some of the stuff as much as I can, whether it's calling out beat writers or national reporters that had lazy takes and just basically were flat out wrong. As I told you guys all summer long, this Dolphins team was going to be good. And I wrote a piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com called Trading Singles for Home Runs. And it's about going with Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant in lieu of Jarvis Landry, who was shipped off to the Cleveland Browns. And there was a lot of flack around this football team to start the year. We all know about... 
everyone just dogging on the Dolphins for what they were doing and saying, what's their plan? What the hell are they doing with this roster? They have a 72% changeover from opening day 2017 to opening day this year on the offensive side of the ball. That's eight out of 11 starters new. So I posted a couple of tweets from Evan Silva, some guy named Dan Shiner. I don't really know what his deal is, but talked about the Dolphins' lack of foresight at the wide receiver position. And then you come back three games later and all of a sudden, It's brilliant. It's so brilliant that I had to quote Schopenhauer in the piece talking about how all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridicule. Second, it's violently opposed. And then third, it's accepted as being self-evident. And we might not quite be to that part three just yet, but you look at these guys' production and big plays. Albert Wilson this year, if you call a 20-yard play or more, an explosive play, Wilson is making an explosive play once every 14.6 snaps. And Jakeem Grant, I had to take away his special teams for this particular argument, but he's making one every 66 snaps at this point of the season. Last year, Jarvis Landry on 929 snaps had six explosive plays. That's once every 154 snaps. Now, I know the offense was tougher last year. It wasn't as good, but his efficiency as he evolves in this role in Cleveland has helped with more yards per catch but he's also gone way down from 70% catch rate to 54% catch rate. So the Dolphins have this lightning in a bottle. They're playing these guys in a more efficient manner rather than more volume, and they're creating same big play numbers with this year's offense for a fraction of the cost. Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant cost about 35% of what Jarvis Landry's 2018 salary is. And then you talk about this entire offseason as a whole, and the core this Dolphins team has built up on the offense and defensive side of the football I mean, this entire Moneyball approach was laughed at and the entire brass went against public perception in regards to what they envisioned for the team. And so far, they look like geniuses on guys like Ryan Tannehill, Xavier Howard, Laramie Tunzel, Minka Fitzpatrick. I talked about Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson. All of these guys have such star potential. I think Howard's already there. I think Tunzel's well on his way. He's playing fantastic at left tackle right now. I think Fitzpatrick's on his way. You guys know how I feel about Ryan Tannehill. Grant and Wilson are great, great role players that can fill exactly the niche that you signed them here to do. Then you have other core guys making big impacts as well. Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, Raquan McMillan, Jesse Davis, Jawan James, Mike Kosicki will get his name in there eventually. And then we have some veterans on long-term deals like Robert Quinn, Kenny Stills, even Josh Sitton coming back. This team is in it for a while. And there's one guy left out that I was very bullish on this offseason. And he is actually the first key to the game for me come Sunday. We're going to do those five keys on the other side of the podcast here. But it's Kenyon Drake. And I'm going to tell you why he is the key to this game come Sunday. We'll do that next, as well as your Twitter questions on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked On Fins. It is a Friday. We are looking forward to a big, big game come Sunday afternoon in Foxborough against the New England Patriots, 1 o'clock Eastern time on CBS. It is the A game. I think we have Jim Nance and Tony Romo on that call. And I talked about Kenyon Drake being one of these star players that hasn't quite evolved into that just yet on the offensive side of the ball for the Dolphins. And he is the first key to this game for me to go ahead and break into the five keys to the game, get Kenyon Drake going. And you look at last year's Patriots game in Miami when he had the big catch on the sideline. He had that awesome spin move in the backfield where he ripped off a big run, breaking a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. He hasn't gotten going yet this year. He's only got 104 rushing yards and it just hasn't been open for him. But I think some of the run looks they have shown in previous games the last couple of weeks should clear out some room inside, especially against this Patriots front that it's good against holding the run, 
but I think that they will struggle with speed. And that's why I think Kenyon Drake, if he can get by that first layer, can really make some things happen against this Patriots defense. Number two key to the game, do not give the football away. I realize that's kind of like an every week thing and it's easier said than done. But if the Dolphins prevent the Patriots from getting a takeaway, I think they have a fantastic chance to get out of Foxborough with a victory, protect the ball, but also play aggressive at the same time. Number three, win on special teams. Again, the details are what matter when you go up against the New England Patriots. They just lost Jawan Bentley and Rex Burkhead, who were both key, key special teams contributors. I think Darren Rizzi might have something up his sleeve this game. If the Dolphins can win that hidden yardage battle, that is often the difference in these close football games. Number four, went on third down on both sides of the ball because the Dolphins, they kind of suck on third down on offense and on defense, and the Patriots have always been good at the other side of that. Third and long has been a problem for the Dolphins. Converting third downs for the Dolphins' offense has been a problem. If they can't get that done, which is what the Patriots kind of funnel their entire plan into, is winning on third down, making third down the most manageable situation in the game. That's what they do best. Dolphins have to go ahead and win that battle to get this victory. And number five, pressure Tom Brady over and over and over again. If he gets uncomfortable, it permeates throughout the rest of the game. It affects their play calling. It affects their running game. The offense bogs down when he is not comfortable. They have to make that happen. They have to get Brady off that spot. I think they can do it, but I also think New England will have a plan in place to make it so it's tougher for the Dolphins to get upfield on those outside pass rushes. So Kenyon Drake get going. No turnovers. Win special teams. Be better on third down and pressure Tom Brady. Make those five things happen and they will get the victory in this franchise-altering type of atmosphere they have going into on Sunday. Okay, let's go ahead and crank up the Twitter mailbag again. We got to some of the questions on yesterday's podcast, but you guys wrote in, I think it was 35 Did a fantastic job, as always. Let's go ahead and start off with Cody O'Day. He is at AttractionLaw84. We beat the Patriots if. We lose to the Patriots if. Also, why, oh, why do so many people reject Tannehill's badassery? I like that last part there. He's just not really the kind of personality that's going to attach himself to the mainstream media, so I think that's part of it. But also, the team just hasn't been very good, and people like teams that win. And although he's elevated a bad team into a mediocre team, It doesn't do enough for people in the national media. As far as how do we beat the Patriots, if the same thing with Tom Brady the last couple of weeks, keep him in uncomfortable situations, pressure him all the time, and be better on third downs on both sides of the ball. If that happens, they'll win the game. We'll lose on Sunday if they can't stop the run, if Sonny Michelle and James White get going, and it creates more versatility and more flexibility in the Patriots' offense, then they will lose. Next question comes from Jason Mary. He's at Jason Mary FS. How does Rashad Jones coming back into the lineup affect the defense going up against the Patriots? And what did the defense lose last week not having him out there against the Raiders? I think number one was communication and just overall familiarity for Minka Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, we love him as a safety, but his best position is in the slot. And you take him out of the slot, it makes it easier for the Raiders offense in that regard. And it also makes it easier attacking down the field against that safety because Rashad Jones, for what it is right now, he's a better player. So I think the communication and the veteran presence and just the fact that you get Minka back in his best spot is the biggest reason there. Next question comes from Justin Miners at JJ Miners. Do you think Gaze is withholding Gasicki on purpose and not showing the league all the cards in his deck? I absolutely believe that Adam Gaze has a Rolodex the size of a phone book in regards to his offensive plans for certain players. 
And I think Mike Gusecki is one of the key cogs in that book that we haven't yet seen. I think they really are just trying to get his blocking up to speed because so far it's not been great, but they want to get him to be a complete player because once they can do that, then he can really expand this offense in the passing game because teams don't have to really, or they're going to have to actually start to worry about him in the running game or as a pass protector. And then you can really unleash him in that passing game. So I think it's more about bringing him along slowly than it necessarily is him just holding him back. Next question here comes from Ryan Leary at Ryan underscore Leary 14. A bit of what, or rather a bit of a chicken or the egg question here, but is Tannehill finally reaching his peak because of himself or is he another one of the NFL system quarterbacks due to Adam Gaze, a la Tom Brady, Jared Goff, etc.? I think it's a little bit of both. Anytime you have a coach and a quarterback relationship that actually works well together and they know how each other do things in a certain way and the coach actually knows what the quarterback does best, you're going to get his best football And that's what we're seeing now with Ryan Tannehill. Although I will say he's always had the physical traits. The mental side has been a little bit of a slow climb to where it is right now. But I think it's more about what Ryan Tannehill is physically. We've always seen it with this guy. He was a top eight draft pick in the NFL draft. He has the physical tools. It's just all kind of coming together for him right now at the exact right moment. Okay, we got time for one more here. Let's go with John Nolan at BoardFan72. If we win on Sunday, what excuses will the national media come up with to disregard our success? It's going to be all about the Patriots, win or lose this game, guys. Just accept that going in. Know that the Patriots are going to be the story no matter what happens. And if the Dolphins beat the Patriots, it's going to be about the fall of the empire, the decline of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Will this be their last year together? How much do they miss Julian Edelman? What's going on with Rob Gronkowski? What happened to Dante Hightower? It's going to be about the Patriots. So just expect it, know it going in. And if the Dolphins are 4-0, I, at that point, I really could not give a shit because at that point, the AFC East is there for the taking. I tweeted out about that today as I record this podcast on Thursday, that if the Dolphins win this game, they're winning the AFC East, in my opinion. So if the national media wants to continue to crap on the Dolphins, let them, because in about 12 weeks, we'll have the AFC East division title, we'll have a home playoff game, and then they'll have to respect the Dolphins at that point. All right, we still have college picks as well as my lock of the week, and we'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling into the third segment of this Friday podcast, it doesn't get much better than this. 3-0 heading into the weekend, the biggest game that I can recall since that 2008 victory over the New York Jets at the Meadowlands. Dolphins have a chance to really do something special and change the entire narrative around this team. And one of the reasons I am apprehensive about this game is just because of what we've had to deal with in the past with the New England Patriots and how it seems like they tend to get some favorable calls up in their building which serves as a perfect segue into our next segment, the Lock It Up segment. Let's go ahead and make it happen. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Last week, we locked up Jakeem Grant making a big play in the game and changing the complexion of the game, and he sure did oblige and took care of that prediction for us. This week, I'm going to go with something a little more negative and that my lock is something will happen on par with those offensive pass interference calls of the Miami Dolphins against the Oakland Raiders. It's going to be an egregious call. Go back to Olivier Vernon's illegal batting call back in, I think it was 2013 or 2014 that season. You know that when you go to Foxborough, and this is the case for every home team, home teams typically get the better calls. There actually was a study, and I think it was Sports Illustrated years and years ago, talking about how officiating favors the home team. But that is the case tenfold in New England. 
And if the Dolphins lose this game, that's going to be all we talk about for a week straight. And if they win the game, it's still going to be at the front of our minds because we know how this story goes. We hate seeing it, but it happens all the time. So that's my lock it up of the week. Something crazy will happen with the officials and it'll negatively affect the Miami Dolphins. We got one more segment here on a Friday podcast, my college picks, which actually I don't really have any. I'm 11 and eight on the year. I absolutely crushed it last week. My best week in a long, long time. I ended up picking seven games. I added the WSU Cougars plus five points at the USC Trojans. They lost the game, but covered the spread. So I get a win for that. The one loss I had, I went six and one. The one loss I had was Oregon plus two against Stanford. If you guys didn't see that game, it's one of the craziest bad beats in the history of sports bad beats. Check it out if you have not seen it. So 6-1 and one with that. The Dolphins won the game. The entire AFC East lost last week. Well, except for Buffalo, which in my opinion, all they did was affect their draft position. So that's a win. It was the best weekend of football I've had in a long, long time. But this week, I've got a buddy getting married on Saturday. I'm in the wedding, so I'm not going to bet because I have a very strict don't bet if you can't watch the games policy. But I do have one pick that I absolutely love. The Ohio State Buckeyes going into Happy Valley. I know it's the wideout. It's the Saturday night primetime game and Happy Valley is going to be jumping and Ohio State can't win a road primetime game to save their lives. I don't care. They're so much more talented than that Penn State football team. Dwayne Haskins is an absolute stud. Trace McSorley is not. He's a good college quarterback, but he has plenty of flaws. Take the Buckeyes with four and a half points and go to the bank and be happy with that one. So as we finish up the podcast here, that is my time. Just enjoy this weekend and what it is and enjoy the Dolphins game on Sunday. Win or lose, it's a big one, but at least we're in this position. I know it's a defeatist mentality, but once again, we haven't been here in a long time. Don't expect the best, but just be hopeful that it happens. If they get this win, Sunday night slash Monday morning's podcast is going to be absolutely lit. But as for this one, that is my time, guys. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. You never